Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Showtime, ladies and gentlemen. Number two on this actually kind of wet Wednesday morning. It's raining in Los Angeles. We don't know what to do with ourselves out here when that happens, but we'll find a way. Fear not. You guys don't need to worry. We'll be fine. We got Shohei Otani, so everybody in Los Angeles is fine. It can rain on us forever, and we're fine. Yep, hate me if you will. That's okay. Uh, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Dan Vespers. It's an annoying last name. I love it, but it's annoying. I love it because it's unique. But look, I should have gone by Dan Walter a long time ago. That's my middle name. It's my mother's maiden name. It's too late. I'm Dan Vespers now. I mean, I always have been, but missed my window. I was Dan Beebe when I was working at pregame.com. I don't know if you guys know that. How many stories have I... I haven't told that many specific stories of my time at pregame.com. It was sort of a weird time in my life. But I was Dan Beebe. I had my own webpage and everything. Twas silly. Uh, But now I work in fantasy sports, which is obviously not silly at all. It's very serious. Serious matters. Uh, Here's a dumb little treat for YouTube viewers. Uh, We've been doing a lot of, I call it winter cleaning here in the apartment. Hanukkah ended. Kids got all kinds of stuff. It felt like the great opportunity to take uh, older stuff and remove it from our house. And we came across this, and I don't know how clear it is on the YouTube video, but this is a baseball that has, this is from my childhood. And I don't know how it ended up in our house here as opposed to, like, at my mom's house. But it's got finger grips for learning how to throw different pitches. So, here, let's see. Let's learn a fork ball? No, let's throw a slider. So the thumb goes here, and the fingers go here across it. And then, presumably, you snap down with that bad boy. So you're not supposed to do this with a 7-year-old. That's what my kid is, the kid... Seven-year-old's not supposed to try to throw curveballs. But that's a fun little toy. Came out of the woodwork here at the old Bespris apartment complex. Anyway. Why am I talking about random BS? Well, because yesterday was a brief fantasy card. There were just four games on the docket. Memphis got John Morant back. That's the big story. They went into New Orleans, fell behind by 20 points, and then came back and won it. Ja, a game-winner. In his first game back, 35 minutes, 34 points, 6 boards, 8 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 12 out of 14 shooting, 10 out of 12 at the foul line. Here's the thing. So I'm going to need you guys to once again hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. So whatever you need to do to prepare yourselves, please do so now. John Morant is going to be good this year. John Morant is also going to be dramatically overvalued in nine-category leagues. We've seen it year after year after year after year. Last year, John Morant averaged 26 points, eight assists, and six rebounds, and was number 92 on a per-game basis. And it's the hardest damn thing to reconcile because he is the poster child for a player that is way better in real life than they are in nine-category fantasy leagues. Because he 
doesn't really hit that many three-pointers, which is kind of surprising for a guy who scores as much as he does. Both of his percentages were pretty good size negatives, doesn't block shots, and his turnovers are very high. Many of you are punting turnovers on the head-to-head side. Obviously, that moves him up the board a little bit. But as nine category players go, John Moran is always going to be extremely overvalued. And that's fine. It's because he scores a lot of points and gets a bunch of assists. Those are hard things to find. I get it. I get it. The intrinsic value of those categories is not necessarily the same as others. But if you're in a nine-category league, head-to-head, roto, whatever, and you need to be consistently competitive in all nine categories, he does sometimes more damage than good. That's thought number one I need you to hold in your head. Thought number two I need you to hold in your head is that John Moran historically has gotten off to fast starts in fantasy, reality, whatever season you want to talk about. If you want to look at last year, I told you he finished at number 92. What you may not recall is that at the very beginning of the season, and I took freaking hell for this because on every podcast leading up to the year, I was like, guys, like I know you're going to be tempted to draft John Morant, but believe me when I tell you, He's better in reality than he is in 9-cat. John Morant, through the first month last year, was number 43. He scored more. He rebounded more. He hit more three-pointers. His field goal and free throw percent were both higher. As the season wore on, Jaw tired. You could call it Luka Donchitis. It's kind of the same thing. And by the way, That was the first month last year. If you go shorter distance, basically the shorter the run of time you're using at the beginning of the year, the better his rank was. If you go just like the first two and a half weeks, Ja was number 30 because he was shooting 51% from the field and 85% at the free throw line. He did it the year before too. You guys don't need me to go into all that detail. Just believe me when I tell you. Got off to really hot starts each of the last two years. I had people in my Twitter mentions going, Dan, you biffed this one hard. He's This is the year. And I was like, give it time. And again, this isn't me trying to clown on John Morant. He is one of the most exciting players in the NBA. He's a he's an all-star level player. He might be a superstar level player. But from a fantasy standpoint, me, you know, this is a nine-category roto baseline. And then you tweak from there to fit your team situation, whatever that might be. All of that, very long-winded explanation to say, if you now have waited this long on John Morant, there's going to be a built-in desire in your heart to cash in on what you waited for. I want you to try to beat that feeling down deep as far as you possibly can and go try to get some top 40 asset for John Morant in 9-cat right now, today. Because this one ball game yesterday it was a you know first-round type of performance. But we know he ain't averaging 34. We know he ain't averaging three defensive stats or 50-83 splits. Duh. But you could probably go out right now and get somebody ranked around 35 and people wouldn't even bat an eye. You could probably go get Freddie Van Vliet. Go do it. You might be able to get Bam Adebayo. Go do it. De'Aaron Fox? Eh, 
he's scoring 30 points. Maybe not. Might not be able to get him. You might be able to get Anthony Edwards, who's ranked 39th right now. Or Jalen Brunson at 42. Do it. Those are really my thoughts almost on that entire ballgame as a whole. Uh, as far as Memphis goes, Marcus Smart is close. I would stash him as well just to see what happens. It might not work. I don't care. You throw him back into the pile if it doesn't work. By the way, JJJ's now been a top 20 player for the last two, three weeks in a row. So, anywho. New Orleans side, not much to go on here. Just a quick thought on Herb Jones, who has... Uh, Unfortunately, kind of fallen off a cliff here over the last four basketball games. He's still number 54 by averages on the year. So that's why you got to give some leeway. He's actually number 38 by total, so he's been even better than that. But he's been bad the last week. There's really no way to sugarcoat it. Outside the top 200, minutes have fluctuated a tad. Roll has really, really fallen off. And you got to think that some of that is because the Pelicans got healthy. Some of it is because guys run hot and cold. And, and when a guy like Herb runs cold, who relies on a couple of three-pointers, ridiculous defensive stats and percentages to float his value, if that stuff goes away, there's nothing to fall back on because he's not rebounding, he's not passing, and he's not scoring. So there isn't that sort of consistency, the stats that don't bounce as much from week to week. I've got a lot of people already telling me it's time to drop. I disagree for one very clear-cut reason, and that is whoever you're dropping him for right now is almost definitely going to be a short-term solution. Where with a guy like Herb, you know, again, even with this really bad last, like, real bad last week, he's still been inside the top 55 on the whole season. That's how good he was the first six, seven weeks. Guys like that don't grow on trees if you're dropping him, it better be for somebody who has, like, top 65, 75 rest of season potential. There's literally only one player that's emerged lately that I thought I might consider dropping Herb for that guy, and it's Tyree Eason. Basically, everybody else that's jumping up on the wire is, oh, that's a one, two-week fill-in for someone who just got hurt. Those are not the guys you should be dropping Herb for. And in fact... My recommendation, hard though it may be, sometimes these are complicated days. you got to be a little bit patient. Give him another week. Please give him another week. If this thing, if this, you know, right now it's a slump. If it lasts two or more weeks, then it starts to feel a little bit more real. Then you move on. I promise you will never forgive yourself if you drop a player who comes roaring back and ends up as like a top 60 full season guy. There aren't many worse things you can do. Because you ain't missing out on much. What are you going to do? Pick up Zach Collins in case Wemby misses another ball game? Congratulations. You got one more good game out of a guy. But you gave up on someone who might be a rest of season play. That just cannot be the calculus for how to win a fantasy league if you're in a competitive format. So give it a little bit longer. Trey Murphy also, by the way, a hold. He wasn't very good in this ball game, so his minutes were depressed slightly. But he'll be fine. Top 100 is the target for Trey Murphy. Anything better than that is gravy. We move on. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. 
Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. No Wemby, as I just mentioned a moment ago. He sat this one out. Zach Collins slid in at center, and of course he had a big ball game, and now that's basically the role for Collins at this point. He's a Wemby fill-in, unless they move him back into the starting five, meaning stream him for now and drop him probably when Wembanyama comes back. They call him Victor Wembanyama. Wembanyama. Say it slower, Dan. Malachi Branham, uh, we have not even one full eye on Malachi. We have a, a half an eye on him because he's more of a points league type of dude. But he's starting right now, so, you know, uh, pay a little bit of attention, and that's as far as I go. I want to keep moving. I don't want to spend much time on Malachi Branham. It makes me feel sad to talk about the Spurs more than I have to. Guys, I think we may have uh, exhausted the buy low window on Damian Lillard. <laughs> he's a uh, top four play over the last week. And again, it was one of the easiest buy lows on planet Earth because he was shooting 41% from the field, and that just wasn't going to stick. I mean, this is a guy that was shooting 45% when everybody was guarding only him in Portland, and now he's alongside Giannis. That, that just, like, you knew it wasn't going to stick. So anyway, now he's destroying. He's up to number 15 on a per-game basis, played in 25 games for the Bucks so far, so he's actually number 11 by totals, and uh, that's why we had him on the buy low board a week and a half ago. That was an easy one. Brooke Lopez, six more blocks for the king of block country. Right now, at least, he's actually leading blocks. He's got to stay ahead of Chet. I love me some Brooke Lopez. I really do. Uh, Malik Beasley, 20, 28 minutes in this ballgame. You knew there would be some kind of cool down, but he's a hold right now. Chris Middleton showing signs of improving. He's a hold. And then Bobby Portis, he's part of this new group that I coined for this week called the Stream While Hot group. Portis got hot, got cold, he's hot again, so play him while he's hot. Easy peasy, move on when he's not. Is Bobby hot or not.com. Fabled old website. Hey, before we get to Phoenix, Portland, I want to remind everybody to hang out with our buddies over at manscaped.com. This will be a quick promo today. Ethos20 is the promo code. 20. Ethos20. We'll get you 20% off in free shipping at manscaped.com. Get your Christmas presents for the hairy men in your life at manscaped.com. Below the belt grooming, above the belt grooming, too. There's nothing on the devices that says you can't use it on your cheeks, your neck, your face, your ne uh, the back of your neck, your back, your chest, whatever. It doesn't all have to be below the belt. Or you can go way below the belt and shave your ankles if you like. So that's cool. Uh, also, once again, reminder, find me on social at Dan Bespris. Please, please, please like and subscribe to what we're working on here at Sports Ethos, whether it's the YouTube videos, the original podcast channels on iTunes, Spotify, whatever. That really does all matter. And every day it actually matters. So if you've done it before, please do it again. 
If you guys like what we're doing here, just take a second to hit that button. Uh, a couple other little tidbits in the show description. You can find our Discord. That's a, a really cool place to hang out, sort of people helping people. And I think those are the main things. Oh, right. And if you have questions, feel free to throw them in the comments section, not the live chat. Live chat is mostly for folks hanging out with each other right now. The comments section uh, is where I will get email alerts on that stuff, so you can ping me over there. I do keep one eye on the chat room to see if there's anything that pops up there that I kind of forgot to cover in real time. Um, so if you have something that you think might apply to everybody, that would be the place to drop it. But again, making uh, no promises about covering the chat room during the show. That's just sort of a little side bonus. Phoenix, this was a game they probably should have won, um, especially when Kevin Durant scores 40 points on 28 shots. But he didn't get a whole lot of help. Devin Booker had a quieter ball game. I know he had 26 points and 7 assists. But this was like the Anthony Simons 26 and 7, which is funny because Simons had 23 and 7 on the other side. It just took too many shots to get there. Didn't involve nearly enough defensive stats. For Booker, not nearly enough three-pointers. Um, so it's like one of those games that looks better, I guess, than it was, and I'm sure he'd say the same thing, so this is not me trying to be a butthead or anything. Uh, Fantasy-wise, a couple of notes on the Phoenix side. For one, Grayson Allen actually does look like a guy you can play right now. He's had a couple decent ones in a row. Rebounds are not going to be a thing that sticks, but steals do tend to be pretty reliable for him. Some three-pointers usually blended in there. Uh, and as long as Bradley Beal is out, I think I'm trusting Grayson Allen. So go ahead and make him an ad. And then on the Booker front, here's the thing. You guys know that I didn't think Booker was going to get to his ADP, which was like around 14. If I'm remembering towards the end of draft season, all these pages have changed their numbers now, so it's kind of hard to remember. And for a while there, he came out of the gates and he was roaring. And again, people like to dunk early. Here's the thing. Reality does eventually set in. Booker's going to have, as I've said before, a very good fantasy season. Especially with Beal missing now two months and counting. So first of all, he and Kevin Durant is bo have both been able to do more than we expected to this point. But a few things were happening with Devin that we knew weren't going to stick. The field goal percent was crazy high. The assists were crazy high. The defensive stats were actually higher than expected. And that's why when he was sitting at like number six or seven, he was a sell high guy. And I think a lot of people thought that I was sort of stuck on a take. And I get it. If you guys have followed me for a while, you know that I'm an extremely, extremely pragmatic fantasy player. To a, to an overpatient fault at times. Probably a lesson that I need to get better on is sometimes being a little bit more aggressive. But when you see something that isn't sustainable, it's worth pointing out. So... And again, this is small, but significant. Booker has fallen little by little. It hasn't been this like 
big, massive, game-changing drop-off. But over the last two weeks, he's number 41. You know, last month, he's like in the 30s. That's not to say that he won't come roaring back and have a week where he's, uh, you know, putting up first-round numbers again. But he's down to number 21 in nine-category leagues right now. Now, if you're, say, punting steals, he's worth more because he's a guard that doesn't get many defensive stats but is very, very good in points, assists, free throw percent. Like, a neutral guard in field goal percent is technically kind of a win. Or if you're, I don't know, I mean, everybody in head-to-head says they're punting turnovers, but, like, that's not really that big of a deal for a guy to have three kind of near the top of the board. Or if you're you're looking for a really high-scoring dude who doesn't hit that many three-pointers, he actually kind of fits into that mold as well. But again, ranks are ranks are ranks. If you're incorporating all nine categories, he is now behind his ADP and missed two weeks of games. So you can try to slam it in my face all you want that like he got off to a crazy hot start, but it's going to be about the long game here. And Beal still isn't even back yet. What do we think that's going to do? Now, much the way that I feel like people are going to take the beginning of this show and say, oh, Dan hates John Morant. No! Oh, Dan hates Devin Booker. I don't hate any of these guys. I have no emotional attachment to any of them other than, I guess, Brooke Lopez, who I'm very emotionally attached to. I'm trying to find ways for us to win. And when Booker was number six, trying to move him for somebody that had full season first round appeal was the move. Now he's number 21. I still think you could probably get someone in the top 15 for him because of his giant scoring and assist numbers. So if you can, you should. Because I actually feel like, and... You know, this may not actually be a thing until Beal comes back. This actually, looking at him right now for Booker, this is probably about where he's going to be while it's just Booker and Durant around number 20. Maybe the assists come down just the littlest bit, but the thing I'm more concerned about is what happens when Beal comes back. Does he actually take anything away from Booker and Durant, frankly? And I think the answer has to be yes, even if it's only a small amount. So that's why I said what I said. It's why I continue to say what I'm saying. And it's why right now, he's behind his ADP. Kill me if you want. I'm just reading the damn Basketball Monster rank page. And their rank page is very good. Uh, for Portland, Shaden Sharp got hurt early in this ballgame, left after eight minutes. That stinks if you were using him against the games cap. But you shouldn't have been, because how many times did I need to yell about how Sharp was a sell high a couple weeks ago when Simons was out and Grant was out and Scoot was just working his way back into shape? Shaden Sharp is averaging 17 points, five boards, three and a half assists, and a steal, and somehow he's outside the top 160 on the year. Why? Because he's been a huge negative in field goal percent. And that matters. If you're punting field goal percent, it's a little bit of a different monster. But his role is decreasing now, not because of anything he's doing wrong, but just because the team is getting healthy. Brogdon's back. Simons is back. Grant is back. Aiton is back. He doesn't need to play 42 minutes and take 22 shots a game. He can play 35 minutes and take 15 shots a game. It's too late to sell high on Shaden Sharp, but you know at this point, if you have him, you're sitting on him. You're hoping he comes back and goes on a little heater, and then maybe you get another window. As it stands right now, Simons, Ayton, Grant are the safe plays on Portland. 
Malcolm Brogdon is a safe play if Sharp misses any time. Frankly, if any of the main guys miss a game, Malcolm Brogdon is the guy. But he was trending down when everybody was back. Tumani Kamara started and actually had an okay fantasy line, but 21 minutes ain't enough. Same with Matisse Thybul, who's on a defensive stats roll right now, but 21 minutes ain't enough. And that's about as far as you go, because Scoot Henderson is a luxury stash. Remember, he had that two-game run, and I was like, don't don't believe that this is him like fully figuring it out. It's going to be up and down and up and down and up and down. You probably got about a month and a half, two months to wait on him becoming a bit more consistent. Best guess, but that's when it happens for a lot of these young guys. And that's what you got with the Blazers right now. Golden State beat Boston in overtime. Kristaps uh, Porzingis sat this one out, so Al Horford had 13, 12, and 6 with three three-pointers. Didn't shoot the ball well, but who cares? Anytime Porzingis sits, Horford is the man. Jason Tatum tweaked an ankle. Didn't really look right after that. Um, I've got to think he sits out the back-to-back in Sacramento, but I guess we'll see. If he does... You could probably get a three-point blitz out of Sam Hauser for a game if you really wanted. Eh, it's a home run hack. I get it, but it's there. Meanwhile, Derek White is the freaking man. Every time we think he can't go higher, he goes higher. He's number 24 now. Derek White is a second-rounder on a per-game basis. That's pretty sick. More interesting side in this one was the Warriors' side. I don't think that there's any fight in that one. Um... Steph went nuts, so there's that. And Clay Thompson, 24 points again. Clay is on the rise, ladies and gentlemen. It took freaking long enough, but he's finally getting there. He's like top 50 over the last three weeks now, so hopefully we can just sort of forget the beginning of the season happened. Those aren't the guys you're thinking about. Let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Andrew Wiggins did start the second half because Brandon Pajemski got hurt, hurt his back in the second quarter. He's questionable for their next one, and frankly, they need him because Wiggins is god-awful now. Andrew Wiggins has turned into a full-blown pumpkin. Drop him. Drop Wiggins, useless sack of sand. Pajemski is is a... That's a, uh, that, that's a pain in the butt. He was really looking good as a fill-in option, and hopefully he'll be back again. You know, who knows with this type of stuff. Game, two games, week, nothing. We really don't. We have no idea. Um, try to hold on, because he looked like he was going to be a really good fill-in during this sort of Draymond Greenless era. But also, I get it. If you don't have room for him, or if he doesn't get an IL tag, you're kind of stuck in head-to-head. You don't want to take zeros. Uh... Two players that I know you guys want me to get to before we finish up the Warriors. Jonathan Kaminga, 17-7 and seven with two steals, shot the ball well, and missed two free throws again. The free throw thing I just cannot get over because he needs the other stats to be so good right now to overcome the free throw issue. Because look, like over the last week, a lot of his numbers are pretty good. He's averaging 14 points, 5 boards, a steal, 1.33 pointers on 58% from the field, but he's shooting 54% at the foul line. And I just, I, like, I don't think I have space on my roster for a guy who's not putting up big popcorn lines and can't shoot free throws. Like, if you can give me big popcorn lines and you stink at the free throw line, I'll, I'll deal with it. 
he's missing all of them. Guy can't hit a free throw to save his life right now. So head-to-head, you know, if you're not winning free throws anyway, it makes a lot of sense. It's like a punt or a soft punt, that kind of thing. Um, Roto, I, I can't possibly give my blessing on a guy that's been that bad at the foul line and not good enough in the other stuff to counterbalance it. And then Trace Jackson Davis, who has actually kind of had two decent ball games in a row, although his minutes were super low in the previous one, got extra time in this one. Some of it was because Pajemski was out. Some of it was because Jackson Davis was playing well. Some of it was because Kevon Looney wasn't. Some of it was because Andrew Wiggins wasn't. Some of it was because Dario Saric couldn't guard anybody. And look, I'll, I'll be frank with you guys. I've gone back and forth since last night, probably a dozen times, on what the actual move here is with Jackson Davis. And I think the answer is that it's kind of league dependent in the following way. So first of all, he's, uh, he went from 1% rostered to 14% rostered overnight. And he got picked up in like almost every single league I'm in. Because everybody wants to be out in front of it. Here's the thing, though. It's not always going to be this good. It's just not. And 18 minutes, which he got in the previous game, is generally not going to be enough. But he was a huge positive for the Warriors last night. And he probably earned himself another try, at the very least, to do it again. He was a team best plus 25 in the minutes he was on the floor. And a lot of that was because the Warriors were down almost 20 points. And he was part of the unit that made the big comeback. So, of course, you're going to have a big plus-minus. Almost anybody that comes in when a team is being blown out is going to have a polarizing plus-minus. Like, if you're part of any kind of comeback, it's going to do a thing. I think... So, like, again, it, it really depends on the drop. Don't drop somebody that you think has appeal for the rest of the season. But... And Roto in particular, if you could kind of treat him almost like an injured player and just wait it out a little, that I can get behind. Or if you're in a head-to-head league and you have a streaming slot and you're just like, you know what, I'll just turn this streaming slot into Trace Jackson Davis to see what happens. Because the Warriors, look, their schedule's not great for the next couple of days, and then it gets pretty good. They have one of the best schedules starting on Friday. They go Friday, Saturday, and Monday wedged all around Christmas time. There's like three or four teams that have a really good schedule like that. Mavericks, Nuggets, Warriors. I think those are the three that go three and four starting on Friday. So yeah, you kind of got to pay it forward with two days without a game for him now. But then you get a really nice run. And so over you know three games in four days, even if he's not very good in those games, you're getting pretty good numbers on the head-to-head side. And then for Roto, because you're going to get like a decent sample size to see what he's going to be, then you might be able to make a call. Hey, do I play this guy on Christmas Day? Do I play him in their back-to-back? Because they're playing some clunker teams in the back-to-back. Washington and Portland, there should be some numbers to go around there. So I think there's a pretty good argument to be made that you could grab him, call it a speculative ad. I believe that's the old-fashioned fantasy term for it. And then play it out because the schedule allows it. What do I actually think is going to happen? I think he's going to cool off considerably. I don't think this is going to be a thing that sticks. 
But also, you don't want to miss it if it does. Even if it's just a 10% chance, if you've got something you can junk into the waiver pool and never really think about again, then you go ahead and do it. Easy peasy. Um, What do I want to do here before we wrap things up? We've got a pretty good-sized Wednesday card on the docket. Why don't we do a speed run through that, and then we'll wrap up the show. Um, Charlotte is at Indiana. Not much there other than just kind of waiting on a LaMelo status situation. Uh, Indiana, we want to know if Miles Turner is playing or not for the Heat. Jimmy Butler's been ruled out of this ballgame already, so we should have some streamables. Streamables. It kind of feels like edibles the way, like, I say it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, we're just going to get a little high on these, uh, these one or two game guys. Um, wait and see who's starting for Butler. That'll be a good indicator of which guy's going to make the most sense. Kyle Lowry is likely a stream. And then one would assume that like a, either Caleb Martin or Haquez is probably the next in line there, but it, they might go Duncan Robinson. So let's wait and find out. Orlando sounds like Wendell Carter Jr. is coming back. He'll probably have a minutes cap, uh, but that messes up whatever you had going on at center, which might've been Goga. And remember Wendell Carter Jr. is not really a great nine category guy. Better points league center, so I'm not all that concerned about it. Timberwolves, I think basically just whether or not Anthony Edwards plays is the only thing. For Philly, I am interested in what's going to go on with Kelly Oubre. It's a good defensive team, so they may need a little more, a little spark off the bench. Embiid versus Gobert should be interesting. Utah. We got this little Taylor Horton Tucker thing going on. I really need there to be a bad ball game so we can just stop even worrying about it. But Colin Sexton's been good. I expect John Collins to probably get back into the starting lineup. We've seen Walker Kessler starting. Uh, good, good, good. Cavaliers, Karis Levert. Uh, let's see if Max Drews can bust out of his bad shooting spell right now. That's the whole thing going on with his fantasy dip is that he's been shooting 31%. But again, up and down. It's a long season. Guys get hot. Guys get cold. The Knicks, nothing really. Isaiah Hartenstein is uh, rolling now that Jericho Sims is out. Brooklyn, Cam Thomas, you know, I've been talking about. He's a flippable. Denver, nothing. Toronto, nothing. Atlanta, mostly just how they're going to use Okongwu. Houston, Tari Eason. Lakers, I'm going to assume that everybody relevant is playing, so nothing, really. The Bulls. Alex Caruso, if he's in, good. And if he's not, probably go Patrick Williams. Clippers are rolling. Mavericks, you guys know where I stand on that one. I'm basically only using Tim Hardaway Jr. I don't trust the other uh, wings to be consistent enough. Uh, Boston, just who's in on the back-to-back, whether or not Jason Tatum sits. And then Sacramento, basically nothing. So, you know, we're in one of these these windows again where it's the, the, the surges... When, I think I've said the terms ebb and flow a lot on this podcast over the years, and that's really what it is. There are these ebbs and flows of when fantasy stories are coming and going, and in between, when you're uh, when it's flowing, then you're looking for like big ticket stuff, and when it's ebbing, that's when you're looking for more injury replacement stuff, little little things around the edges to improve your team, uh, and that's how you can really make a difference. Let me. Uh, Quickly scan the chat room, see if anybody's got sort of some overarching things we throw in there. Um, 
Would you drop Trey Murphy for a healthy Brandon Pajemski in head-to-head? I would not. I think Trey Murphy's a rest-of-season guy. I'm almost always going to be prioritizing rest-of-season guys. <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, uh, so there more, there's some more thoughts in the chat room about Jonathan Kaminga and how I, I called him more of a punt free throw guy. Uh, here's the issue, guys. Uh, it, he's not doing enough in the other categories. That's the problem. It's not just that he's terrible at the free throw line. That's certainly a part of it. It's that 15 points and five and a half rebounds with a steal and a decent field goal percent is not enough positive impact stuff to counterweight the power of the negative free throw. And by the way, it's, it's more than two for most of these games. Over the last two weeks, he's averaging three and a half free throws a game. So the issue isn't just that it's a free throw percent. And, and I should have been more clear about this because the way I said it was like, oh, well, he'd be on my team if not for the free throw. Here's the thing. If not for the free throw, he would be borderline. So that's the issue. Like, compare him to someone... Uh, take, like, Rudy Gobert as a good example of this, who's, what, like, around 60th, something like that? He's number 58 right now. 61% at the foul line, five free throw attempts per game. The reason that he can be on fantasy teams, even with his bad free throw shooting is that he's a huge positive in rebounds, blocks, and field goal percent. He's doing enough to counterweight the negative. Whereas if you look at Jonathan Kaminga over the last two weeks, he's number 173 in nine cat. And it's not just because of the free throws. Yes, that plays a part of it, unquestionably, and it's why that was sort of the stat that I chose to focus on. But he's only number 92 even if you completely ignore the free throw, meaning if you're a punt free throw team, he's barely a start. And that's why I said head-to-head, go for it. Because head-to-head, you just kind of hope that he doesn't like take too many free throws over a three-game span or whatever. Or, you know, the, the fluctuations of it. You get a bad free throw week, you get a good free throw week. Number 92, you get him in a you know three games and four nights kind of thing. That's good. But Roto... If you care about free throw, he's doing more damage than good. It's the plus against the negative, and right now the negatives are bigger than the positives because there are other negatives. He doesn't pass. He doesn't shoot the three ball. He doesn't block shots, actually, which is kind of interesting. He gets steals, but he doesn't block. So right now the combination of negatives is larger, and it's not that close, actually, than the combination of positives. So it's not just the free throws. That was I should have done a better job of explaining myself on that one. It's that one, two, three, four. He's like five negative impact categories right now. And one actual positive is field goal percent. That's what's been a positive. Points is fine, but he's not like, you know, 15-ish points per game. It's not really doing damage when you can go get somebody who gets 12 and isn't obliterating a different thing. Like, that's just not three points a game is nothing. It's minimal impact. And rebounds, you can find five rebound guys on the waiver wire. They're there. Now, if he starts to do something that's significant, then that starts to outweigh the damage in free throw, in non-blocks from a big man, etc. 
So it's that combination of items. And I only highlighted free throws because that was sort of the biggest among them. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. You know, I kind of want to try to do a third show later today. I have no idea if it's going to work. No clue, because my schedule is absolutely out of control. But uh, I've had this idea that I wanted to do forever. And I think it's going to be like a really fun, people want to talk about it sort of show. And I haven't had time to do it. Some good questions in the chat room, by the way. Uh, just take those and throw them in the comments section. As soon as I hit the stop button on the show, I promise I'll get to those at some point in the next 24 hours. Um, but I thought it was the Kaminga stuff I wanted to get to because you guys had good questions about that. You had some good points, and I did talk about him on today's show. So I just kind of wanted to come back around and, and uh, try to cinch that one up a little bit. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. Again, come find me on social at Dan Bespris. I cleared 20,000 last night. I can't believe it. Thank you, everybody. I didn't think I would care about this, but I, I actually do. Sad though it may seem. All right, I got to go stretch. Maybe I'll do some exercise. My whole day has been doing these two podcasts and then dropping children off at play dates and camps and just trying to get them the hell out of the house because winter break. <sighs> okay, I'll see you guys on social. I'll see you guys in Discord. Uh, please do like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hugs and kisses. Mostly hugs because kisses are a little gross. I like hugs. They're comforting. I am Dan Bespris, for better or worse. And this is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm hoping I'll see you guys later today. I want to do a third crazy super special show, but we'll have to wait and see. And if not, see you when I see you.